I think uh, in my own heart right now, I'd, I'd say yes and amen. We can go home. Uh, just just the, the, the songs have touched my heart this morning. I just really appreciate um, you guys playing and, and singing and worshiping. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be heading into James a little bit, the uh, end of chapter 4, if you want to go there. And then we're also going to be a little bit in Matthew um, chapter 6. And, uh, and I really feel like these, these two scriptures kind of dovetail in a lot of ways. <clears throat> um, the last couple weeks, uh, I just want to kind of share with you guys where I've been. Um, uh, a lot of you know that I'm, I'm a chaplain at uh, two nursing homes, two nursing facilities, Scenic um, Point and, and Sycamore Run. They're both outside of, of Millsburg. And uh, there's just been a lot going on there. We've had um, quite a few deaths, which is relatively normal, if you will, in, in the nursing facilities. Uh, people have ill health. That's why they're there. They're, in, they're towards the end of their, their natural life. And uh, death is, is, uh, is something that's... Uh, as I hate to say it, but it, it, it's kind of normal to the to the nursing facility. Um, we also are seeing a lot of uh, people that I I even know from the community. Maybe I've known most of my life, or I've known a better part of my life, where they're coming in and and they have failing health, and um, either either physical health or or mental health. Um, in fact, uh, I just want to give you some snapshots of some conversations I've had through the last couple of weeks. And some of the things that have led me up to God just sharing this in my heart and, 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 and really just kind of um, penetrating my life with these scriptures. But uh, one, one gentleman, um, business owner, um, is, is, was pretty successful. He, he's, he's at Sycamore right now. And uh, he knows my dad. Um, my dad's a barber. He cuts, my dad's cuts his hair most of his life. And, and I, I come in, in the wing where he's at and, um, he, he, he's, he's has dementia and, uh, he doesn't remember things. And so I'm sitting with him and, um, he's, he's come to church. He's been there for maybe six months and he's come to church with his family. His family comes and brings him to church on Sunday afternoons when we have service. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's seen me, he knows me. I've introduced myself. He knows me, but he doesn't know me. Right. So he's sitting there, and, and you can tell it was just one of those days where it just seemed like everybody that had memory problems were acting up in some way or another. And you, he was over in his wheelchair, and he was just saying, help, 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 help. And I, I went over, and I said, what's up, buddy? And he, he said, help me, help me. And I said, what do you need? And he go, I, I, I need to go to the bathroom. I said, okay, I'll, I'll go find someone. We'll, we'll take you to the bathroom. And I said, well, let's go down to your room so you can go to the bathroom. What do you mean? I don't have to go to the bathroom. And then I said, how you doing? He goes, I'm tired. I said, well, let, let's lay you back. There's a pillow here. Let's lay your head back. What are you, what are you talking about? I'm not tired. You know, and it was just a conversation that, that that's kept cycling. And, and he goes, who are you? And, and I said, my name's Matt. I'm, I explained who I was. I'm the pastor here. Um, you know my dad? And we talked about my dad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Five minutes later, who are you? And it just cycled. It just cycled, guys, and it, it broke my heart because he was a gentleman that had it pretty much all together in our culture, in our society. Uh, a lot of people would say he was probably successful, and it broke my heart. Um, the one thing that really broke my heart, though, is when, when I said, let's pray. 
And he literally looked like a little kid and grabbed his hands and, and prayed with me. I had a memorial service yesterday for a, um, a very uh, a, a resident that had been at Scenic for a long time. Um, as long as I've been there, he's been there longer. Um, kind of an established figure. His name was Herbie. And uh, so his family, he, he passed away about a month ago. And his family uh, came in. Um, some of them were on the East Coast over in Rhode Island. Another, another nephew was over over in California, and they, they, uh, they came in to have the funeral service, the memorial service yesterday. And um, uh, the nephew made a comment that just kind of stuck with me, and especially as I was, I was preparing the sermon for, for the day and, and, and really praying about what God wanted me to share. Um, he said, you know, we look at Herbie's life, and, and, and Herbie had a lot of psychological issues. He was, he was really smart. He was he, his, his IQ level was probably off the charts. He was probably one of the smartest men I've ever known. But he had psychological issues, which didn't show up till early adulthood. And, um, you know, he started hearing voices. And, um, and, and just was, was just a lot of issues there. And so um, eventually ended up in a facility. And, uh, you know, it, the nephew said that he was so smart and there was so much pressure put on him at a young age to achieve his full potential, as he said. You know, the family had that. You know, they, they, they thought he was, you know, and he probably was as smart as Albert Einstein or even smarter. Um, this man knew every birth date of every staff member and spouse in the building. He knew my wife's birthday. He knew my birthday. He, he would, you know, numbers came easy to him. And so he still had his mental capacity to remember things. But at the same time, he had psychological issues that, that just uh, seemed to almost haunt him through his, his life. And so he, he couldn't be in society anymore. And, you know, the, the, the nephew said, you know, we look at what success is in our, our society. But yet he, he believed that Herbie was successful because he was happy and he was with family, our family there at the nursing facility at Scenic Point. <clears throat> You know, the, the, the list can go on and on. I, I could probably stand up here and talk for hours on end of, of these residents that I, I just dearly love, of these residents that um, have made my life so much better, have made my life richer. But, you know, our society, our culture, and we were actually a small church this week. We were actually having this discussion of what's normal, you know, what's normal in our, in our uh, culture, um, what's successful. Um, and it's, it's interesting because in James, if you go James chapter 4, starting in verse 13, we, we see this kind of playing out. And it doesn't sound very far off from what our culture would say success is. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Very, very cultural right there, right? I, I think, you know, in Holmes County especially, um, part of Tusk, we have, we probably have uh, everybody having a small business of some kind or another. Um, you know, what, what makes success? Well, you've got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning or earlier and, and go hustle and, and, and do your job. 
right, and be a hard worker. And there's nothing wrong in that itself. But it's when we start um, putting these things in front of God, that, that's really when the issues start, start having uh, problems. And, and James here, in, in verse 14, he reminds us, why? You, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, it is the Lord's will. We will live and do this or that. As it is, you brag and boast. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. You know, there, there's some things in this verse that really, really strike me. Um, especially, like I said, in our culture, we get so wrapped up, so wrapped up in our own plans. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make a fortune. Whatever it may be, right? My side job, it's, it's, it's me. And, and sometimes we can, we can even frame it around, well, I'm going to take care of my family. That's what God wants me to do. I'm going to take care of my family, right? The problem is when we start taking God out of it and we start making our own plans. And I really feel like this is, this is what he is talking about here. What is our motivation? You know, if you notice, he doesn't say it's wrong to make plans. It's not wrong to strategically think. But when we start strategically thinking about things on our own without putting God's input in it, without even thinking about God, when our, our motivation is our little kingdom, then that's wrong. That's wrong. And it, it, it sneaks in so quickly to our lives. I, I, I truly believe that. that. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're making these little kingdoms until God shows us. And God reveals what our hearts are. hold on to that and, and, and flip over to flip over to Matthew chapter 6 and um, interestingly enough we've been um, at the nursing home we do Bible studies and we've been doing uh, the Sermon on the Mount and uh, I did not plan this out so I really feel like this is this is something that God just once again has just been laying on my heart but uh, Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 19 going through 21, I really feel like this verse, this section of verses really dovetail nicely in with James. <clears throat> and it says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you notice that, where's our treasure? Where is our treasure? Is it things of this earth? Once again, I, 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 the nursing home has just been one of these things that just has, has God's just been smacking me um, in the back of the head, almost like, uh, how many of you guys watch NCIS? Anybody like watching NCIS? Ever see the Gibbs slap, right? And I really feel like sometimes God gives me a gib slap. It's not, it's not to hurt me. It's not to like, um, 
demeanor me, you know, or, 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 or make me feel bad. It's to get my attention, right? It's to get my attention. And, and so I think God gives me a gib slap about, you know, some days it's, it's, it's hours or maybe every minute. But, uh, it, you know, the one thing that has struck me is, is seeing these residents come in, especially out of the community, and maybe they've lived on their own for how many years? They've, 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 you know, either had a business or they've had a household where they ran and raised kids. And all of a sudden, now they can't take care of themselves. Absolutely cannot take care of themselves. They, they, there's a reason they have to come to a facility like ours. And out of everything that they've acquired in their in this earth, every, every, every possession that they have, they've had to go through it and bring enough for half a room. Just half a room. That's all. The majority of people, every now and then, you'll have one person that has, has a private room, but majority of people there have roommates. And so out of all their earthly possessions, everything they've acquired all their lives, they have to pick certain little things to take with them to the nursing facility. Everything else, everything else is gone for all intents and purposes. That has to be hard. That has to be hard. But are we, you know, and, and it makes me ask the question, what am I storing up? Is it stuff? Is it material possessions is it is it whatever i collect or am i storing up for me an equity in god uh, something that i i cannot tangibly hold on to as the bible says for you know what is seen is is temporary but what is unseen is eternal am i storing that up is that where my heart is or is my heart in my stuff that I worked really hard for, by the way. And I think that at some point in time, every believer, everybody that calls Jesus Lord, everybody that has put their trust in Jesus has to come to that place where we ask, what's more important? My stuff, the stuff that I have acquired, this, this kingdom that I have, on earth or is it God is it God you know I had uh, said earlier you know it's not wrong to make plans but it's so interesting even in my own life and I'm going to share a little bit of a, uh, some of my testimony here uh, something that God's been doing here in, in my wife's and I's lives uh, here and it's just in the recent year but you know it's amazing how many times I look back and how many times I have formulated plans and I have never even asked God about it never even thought about God and, and, and sometimes that's the big things sometimes that's even small things and uh, you know everything everything that we do we should be looking to God for guidance you know, verse says, uh, you know, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. And I, I think, you know, that, that's the one thing that God, is, God has been revealing to me is my own heart and is, is 
how much trust do I put in them? You know, sometimes, sometimes it's easier to put trust in the bigger things, but it's the day-to-day life things that I need to continually keep trusting in him, keep letting him have control of rather than me. And that, once again, that's easier said than done. And I, I think, you know, we would all, at Mercy Hill, we, we have no doubt that God is sovereign, right? That, that we proclaim God is sovereign, that God is in complete control. But yet, that's one of the mysteries of God to me, is that even though he, he is in complete control, we all have responsibilities and we all have choices in life. And it's a mystery that I haven't completely figured out. And I don't know if I ever will. And that's all right. But in my day-to-day life, the little choices, and I know God's in control. I know God's leading me. I know God's in, in complete control. He, the reason that I can even breathe air, the reason that uh, the, the earth rotates around the sun, the reason that, that the grass is growing, the reason that I have water, it's all because God's in control. But yet at the same time, I have, I have a responsibility and I have choices in life. And, and obviously the, the best choice, the best choice is for me to choose God rather than self. And I really feel like uh, out of all, both these scriptures, that's really what the brass tacks of this is, is am I choosing God or am I going to choose my own self? It, it, that, that's the heart of the issue in, in, in these ta- texts. And I really feel like that's what God's been sharing in my, in my own life and showing me is that in all, all the things that we do, the choice is either self, flesh, or God. Every choice I make, am I, am I doing it for self? Am I doing it for my own kingdom? Am I doing it for, for whatever it is that drives me? Or is it, is it me relying on God, asking God to guide me and lead me? And so it, is, it does matter what we do in life. It really does. But I believe it's more important why we do the things. We could do all the right things out of the wrong motivation. And we see that in, in um, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about this. Throughout the Beatitudes in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he talks about where, where our heart is. Where is our heart when we pray? Is it to show off for other people? Or is it because I love God and I want to have communication with him? Do I give to the poor because I want to show off? Or am I doing it because God has put that in my heart to give to the poor? It's a heart issue. It really is. And our attitudes and our motivations, they all come down to that. Am I, in my heart, love God? Or do I love myself more? And, and, and once again, I, I, I just really feel like that's something that God has been uh, pounding home in my own life. Um, <clears throat> about three or four years ago, we were 
elders were down at uh, Watermark down in Dallas, Texas for a, uh, for a conference, a leadership conference. And uh, during that conference, um, it was about a week long, a little, little less than a week, uh, towards the end of the conference, I remember a speaker talking, and uh, he asked some really tough questions. And I, I came and tell you the exact question he asked, but I can't tell you kind of what the, the, the drift of it was. And basically, he said, is there anything that we're holding on to, anything that we're holding close fist to God? That we're not allowing God to work in our lives. That, that, that we would not allow God to work in that area. And, you know, that, that, that statement shook me up. Because up to this point, you know, like, okay, well, I, 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 left, I left a job from Provia to go into ministry. Um, you know, and, and uh, we, my wife and I had been really um, focusing and, and, and praying and saying, you know, okay, God, we want what you want. But that statement, it, it, it cut me to the quick because really God, God called to my heart something that was in my heart that I was like, there's no way that I'm going to let go of this. And um, that was our property. About 16 years before, we had bought, we had bought property, um, 13 acres just outside of Millsburg. Um, all our hopes and dreams were kind of in that property in some ways. Uh, to have a mini farm, to, uh, you know, be self-sufficient, to raise kids. You know, the list could go on and on. It was a fixer-upper, and uh, oh, it was ours, right? It was all about what we can do with this property. And I was, you know, we were excited about about it. You know, a lot, of, a lot of dreams and hopes were in it. And, uh, you know, as, as we were there at that conference, and I was praying, is there something I'm holding on to? God brought that property to my mind. And uh, it was towards the end of the, end of the, the little, little spiel he was giving, and I, I, I had to go to the bathroom, so I went out, and um, Conrad was out there with me. Uh, afterwards, he was coming out. I, I think he was going to the bathroom as well as I was coming out of the bathroom. And, and I, you know, he could tell, I think he could tell something was up. And, and I just asked for prayer. And I just remember Conrad laying his hands on my shoulder and praying for me and saying, you know, God, if this is what, if this is what you want to do, if this is, if this is something that Matt and Amy are supposed to do, that you're going to make it obvious and you're going to make a way that they, they get rid of their property and, and just follow you. Well, you know, I get home, and, and uh, I talk to my wife about it, and, uh, you know, I, I think she thought I was kind of crazy at first. I mean, because this was, this was, this was uh, something I drove. This property was like my dream, right? And it, it eventually became our dream. But um, we talked about it, we, we prayed about it, and uh, we were just like, well, okay. And it's been, it was interesting, because this is, a, this is like a journey where God just, just, Okay, God, I'm willing now. And then she was willing, then I wasn't. <laughs> and then we talked and prayed more about it. And, you know, I think as, as, as time went on, we just kept talking about it and we kept praying about it. We kept seeking God. We, were, we wanted to hold the property open-handed. We didn't want to not do it, we, uh, to, you know, not keep it if that's not what something God wanted us to do. 
You know, and, and I think that's, that's where life gets so interesting because we do have the Bible and we believe this is God inspired and we do believe that God speaks through this. But there's not a verse in here for me that says, Matt, go sell your house at such and such a date, right? And so as my wife and I are praying about this, you know, we, I think we kind of came to a conclusion that we needed to sell. But now it's like when, right? Because there's all these things that we have to do. It's a fixer-upper. We've been fixing it up all along. We, uh, we didn't want to go into more debt doing it, right? So we, we didn't take any extra loans to fix the place up. We fixed as we went. And in that, we were like, okay, there's, there's, there's so many things that we need to do before we can sell this place to sell this place. But we, we were like, we knew it was coming. And so in January, um, I had some cattle, and uh, I had, the, I had a, a, a cow prolapse on me. And uh, the vet came over, and we had her in the barn. <laughs> and, and this cow, um, not out of meanness, but uh, she did not want to be in the barn with us there, with the vet messing with her. And she put me up against the corner, and I held my hand out, and my, my finger um, ended up going the opposite way. Let's put it that way. Uh, I had to go to the emergency room, uh, get my, my finger back in place. But in that, that, that was kind of the linchpin, guys. Uh, we, we decided that we need to, uh, the vet said, you need to get rid of the, of the cow. As long as she's walking, the butcher shop will take her. We got her butchered. And so after that, I looked at my wife and I said, is there anything keeping us here now? Because part of the plan was getting rid of the cattle. And we were planning on doing that probably summer. And she, you know, like, no, there really isn't. I said, okay, why don't we, why don't we just start, let's, let's dip our toes in the, in the water, kind of, and uh, let's, let's just start looking at houses. Let's just, start, let's just start looking at some houses. And um, so we called the realtor up, and there was a house in Millensburg that we were interested in. We went and looked at that house. Um, luckily, my wife has written me the cliff notes here because I'm very bad at dates. So uh, January 16th, we went and looked at the house for the first time. And we felt like this is the place. This is it. And so I know I had the elders come over. And, and, and by the way, guys, I, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for, for Neil, for Conrad, and for Eric. Because all these things, as we're navigating these things and asking God's will, they've been tracking with us, and they've been praying for us. And, they, you know, and, and, and this, this, is, this is something that if you're in a godly community where there's people helping shepherd you, it makes things go so much better. It doesn't always change the circumstances, but it, it does help you as you're making, trying to make these godly decisions. So I'm so thankful for them. So I had some of them come over. They looked at the place. We prayed about it. And less than a week, my wife and I put an offer in. And we kind of, it wasn't a lowball offer, but it was a little bit lower than what we thought they would accept. But we were like, okay, we'll just, we'll just throw that off. The next day, we heard, heard the news from our, uh, that, from our realtor that the offer was accepted. And both of us were kind of like, oh boy, 
now what? <laughs> so part of, part of putting that offer in was that it was contingent on us having our place either um, sold or an offer in our place, that our place would be under contract um, within, I think, 90 days. However, however, they had something they called a bump clause. And uh, if, you, if you do any realtor, which I never have in the past, I, I never heard of it. A bump clause basically means that if someone comes in and offers more money than you had offered, you have either three days to come up with the money that you offered or you got bumped out of the contract and that person could, could take over the, the house. And so we were like, okay. And, and the realtor was like, ah, that, that hardly ever happens. Don't worry about that. It's just, it's just you know, there. And so, okay. So uh, that was, that was uh, in January. In February, February 6th, two weeks after our offer was, uh, was accepted, another offer was made on the house. And uh, so the realtor calls me and says, look, um, the bump clause is now in effect. The time is ticking. He, she said, either you, you can um, have a bridge loan if you want, go to the bank, get a bridge loan, and uh, basically the bank will, will fund the, the new house, and then you'll have to get the, whole, the other house sold, da-da-da, um, or, you know, get a contract down on your house, or you're going to have to give this house up. And I, I literally remember telling the realtor, I said, well, you know, I, I said, I know my wife and I have already talked. We're not comfortable with a bridge loan. We're not going to go with the bridge loan. We're not going to do it. Um, so I said, you know, we, we believe that this is where God has taken us. Um, we're just right now, at this point, we're, we're praying for a miracle. And I'm sure the realtor's like, like, what are these guys? These guys are, are nuts um, for saying that. But, I, you know, I said, you know, if, if the house is for us, we're trusting that God's going to make a way to happen. And I happened to be with the elders that day. We had a... Uh, we had a, a thing at the hub, um, a preaching workshop, and uh, I came off from that phone call, and I was just like, it looked like I probably was rung out. And I told him, I said, look, guys, this is, this is where it's at. This is what's going on. And uh, we all prayed about it. They, they prayed for me. I know they were, were praying like crazy. I was praying like crazy. And within a half an hour, within a half an hour, we had a phone call for an offer on our place. Now, it was a lowball offer, but it was an offer nonetheless. Um, the guy that, that offered it was working through a realtor. Um, he came that night to look at it, and, uh, um, you know, he, he, uh, he left, not telling us that if he was going to offer us more money or not. Um, afterwards, you know, about 8 p.m. at night, I got a phone call from the realtor saying, um, come on, can you meet me in town? So I did. And uh, they, had a, they had an offer on the table in writing. And uh, we prayed about it that night. And uh, that morning we signed the papers. And in March, we moved into our new house in, uh, in Millsburg. Now, the one thing that, that this house in Millsburg, um, and, and, and just to be clear, you know, um, there's probably people, if you've known me before Mercy Hill, you would have said, there's absolutely no way that Matt would have moved back into town. And that's who I was, right? I'm a, I'm a country guy. I, I, I had, in my old property, I had fishing. I had a pond. 
I had, I had hunting, I had woods, I had a shooting range, which I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a guy that loves to shoot and, and uh, target, target practice. And, uh, you know, it was, it was my perfect place, if you will, even though the house needed a lot of work and there was a lot of things going on there. It was, the, it was my place, right? It was my place. And <laughs> so, so those of you who knew me before, probably before Mercy Hill even, um, uh, and I know uh, my brother talking to people at work uh, at Provia, they said, is Matt completely lost his mind? Because there's no way we can see him moving back into town. But the one of the things that drove us to moving back in town was ministry. The one thing that drove us in, it, to move back into town, and this house specifically, is that this house is perfectly set up for what we envision, what God is, has laid on our hearts. And that is, uh, there's an upstairs apartment. And uh, we, can, we can have that for emergency housing. In fact, since March, we've had two different people live with us in that upstairs apartment. And so that was confirmation to us that, that, that God had that plan in place for us. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's really wild to see how God will take us and, and, uh, and just really destroy our dreams. And, and, and when I say destroy, it's good. He destroyed that because, honestly, I, I'm probably more happy now moving into town, moving where God wants me because I know I'm there where God wants me to be. We have a presence in town. The old place, it took four-wheel drive to even get up the drive in the summertime. <laughs> I'm in walking distance to people that want to have a Bible study in the community, in town. And so our, our house is not our house, it's God's house. And this, this dream that he's given us, this vision of what it looks like is his dream and vision. And it's so awesome. There's no other feeling like it, knowing that I am, I am doing what God wants me to do. You know, I, I, I was kind of, uh, and by the way, worship team, you guys can come on up. Um, as a sharing this, I, I, this is not really our story. This is God's story. And, and I kind of was fighting back and forth, like, I'm like, eh, you know, is anybody ever wanna, does anybody want to hear this testimony or this, 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 this story, our story, of, of, of what God's been doing in our lives? But, you know, God, God made it pretty clear this morning. He's like, I want you to share this. I want you to share this with people. Not because of me, but what he's doing. What he's doing and, and, and how he moves. I have to ask the question, though, you know, just as that, as that leader at, at Watermark asked the question when I was there, the question for each and every one of us, and, and it, the question still applies to me, we never arrive, right? We never arrive at the place where, okay, I've given it all up, God's got me fully, because on a constant basis, my flesh is there wanting to take over. And so this, I believe, is a constant question that we have to ask ourselves. Is there, is there anything that we're holding on to? Just as, as, as Matthew says, have I, am I storing up treasures here on earth that I'm, I'm holding on to 
Or am I storing up in treasures eternally of, of things that God are do, is doing in this life and for eternity's sake? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And so I, I guess each and every one of us can only answer this truthfully between ourselves and God. But where is your heart? Is there something that you're holding on to that you're not willing to let God move in that area? And once again, I, I, would, I would just ask that you prayerfully think about that and ask God if there's something there. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably one of my favorite Proverbs of all times. Um, it got me through some really hard times. But it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Are we trusting God? Are we trusting God with everything we have? And sometimes that may look foolish. It may look foolish to the rest of the world. It may look like you've lost your mind completely because you're holding Jesus so, so high. You know, I've, I've heard that in my, in my life when I was, I was uh, um, growing up, even in the church I was raised in. Don't get too radical for Jesus. And guys, I don't think we can get too radical for Jesus, honestly. And so it would, it would be, it, it, it's my prayer that each and every one of us, each and every one of us examine our heart. Where are we at? Is there anything, anything in this life, in this short life, by the way, that we're holding on to, that we're not willing to let go? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you love us and that you care about us. Um, that your, your love... Um, just just demolishes everything to get to us. And I just ask that you continue to lead us and guide us. Um, I pray that we will be able to examine our hearts in front of you and that you will show us uh, where we're at with you. Um, if there's anything that we are wanting to hold on to, if there's anything that we are not willing to let go of, I, I just pray right now that you will, you will first and foremost show us that but then you will also show us what to do with that. And once again, I just thank you and praise you. In your name I pray, amen.